So, Cody, I'm going to turn the service over to you. Please welcome Pastor Cody. Thank you, Miss Faith. So, as she said, uh, Pastor and Miss Leah are not available. So, um, in these moments, I just want to take just a quick second to pray for them as a congregation, um, as a body of believers to come together and all agree that this is the moment that we are putting our pastor first. So, Father God, I ask and pray that you'd please help the doctors, give them wisdom, give them grace, give them any and everything they might need, Father. Please give them foresight into what possibly could happen so that way they can subvert that and they can help to be able to create a quick and healthy and peaceful recovery, Lord, because no matter what kind of surgery is happening, if it's happening to you, it's always major. And Lord, you know that because you have emotions. You, you, you struggle and strife with us, Father. We pray that you please just bring a supernatural peace that the Holy Spirit brings, Father. We pray that you please just fall on them and just bring a confidence and a hope and your presence in general, Father. Please use this for your glory. Allow someone to be saved because of this, Father. Please be able to show your presence and your majesty and your timing and everything, Father. Please allow Pastor and Leah to be able to minister to someone in that situation, Father. We don't wish this on anyone, but Lord, we pray that you please use it for your good and for your glory, Father. We thank you for everything that you've done, that you're doing, and that you will do. Father, please help us love them in the best way possible, whether that's praying for them at our homes and just giving them some peace and time to heal and recuperate and allowing their family to just come together, Father, as well as through many other ways when we see them on Sunday, Lord. We thank you for everything that you've done, that you're doing, that you will do. We love you, we trust you, and we surrender to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So tonight, um, I would like to kind of give a snippet of what we've been doing in youth. We're going to go into the second week of what I've affectionately called my series, called Zombies. Um, it is the Halloween season, so we are obviously going to do something spooky, um, and it's I enjoy it. We're going to be in John 11 today, so you guys can flip to your Bibles. We're going to be talking about Lazarus. So my my idea, you know, when I was um, just hanging out with God, he was like, hey, um, we don't talk about resurrection a lot in church sometimes, so let's talk about that. I said, okay, cool, we can do that. Um, and so tying it in with zombies was one of those natural things because a lot of people, whenever they think about um, resurrection, they think, oh, well, that's not a thing. Hey, once you're dead, you're dead. You can't come back to life unless you are a zombie. So in a lot of contexts, people would have believed that, oh, Lazarus is a quote-unquote zombie. Um, no, he's not. He was never brought back to life and still crumbling and creaning. Um, that's not how our God works. Our God, when he heals, he fully restores. He does not just bring you back to the place that you were, but reestablish you reestablishes you at a higher calling and a higher place. Um, youth, if you haven't noticed, I haven't called you out. You're hanging out with us tonight. Um, that's why I'm here. So you guys get to hang out and uh, be one of the adults. I think it's also important to keep them in that context. Um, I think it's important for us as a body of believers to be together fully. Um, you know, it, it's great to have the youth separated and the children separated at times, but there's just other times that we need to be together as a body, especially in these moments when, you know, one of us is, is down. Um, especially a leader like Pastor Jason. Um, he's an incredible leader, incredible man. I've been lucky to be able to kind of just get to know him more and more. And uh, he's just so fun. I'm, I'm really blessed to be able to be in this house 
and hanging out with you guys tonight and just being able to bring God's word for you. So John 11, I'm going to be doing a lot of summarizing of the full story. So we've most likely heard Lazarus. He's kind of a popular name, um, but sometimes we don't dive deep into the story. And there's been a couple of verses that popped out that were just really interesting to me. Um, we'll get to those in a second. I don't want to spoil it too, too much. But uh, so one day Jesus is just hanging out with his buddies. He's in a different town, and he's just hanging out with his best 12 best friends. Sounds like a great day to me. Then all of a sudden, someone comes to him and says, hey, your best friend is dying. If that would happen to me, instantaneously, I'd be getting up and I'd be going. Just like Pastor would have done with Leah. He saw that she was ill and, okay, immediately acted. But Jesus didn't. When we read the story, we start to find out that Jesus actually stayed there for multiple days. Um, first off, from Judea to Bethany to get where he should have been in a moment, it would have taken about a day to two days travel. So this isn't something that when he got the news, Lazarus was already sick. And even when he would have gotten there, he would have been extremely ill, close to his deathbed, if not his deathbed itself. But Jesus says something kind of wild, and again, something that I would probably never say to my friend or to someone bringing me terrible news. Um, He goes, don't worry, uh, this sickness won't end in death, but this is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, let's just, I know sometimes we take, we we look at the Bible and we're like, oh yes, this is a holy book, We, we put it in that context. But let's think about it in a human context when If I was one of the 12 disciples and a messenger just came to Jesus and said, hey, your best friend, the person that you've yourself known as loved, that the Pharisees know that you love him, that it's it's a known fact that he's one of your one of your guys, he's dying. And if Jesus were to say, oh, don't worry, it's not going to end in death. Me as a disciple, I'd be like, what are you talking about? They just said he's going to die, man. Come on, where's the urgency, dude? We gotta go. Come on. And he's like, no, it's okay. Actually, in fact, you know what? I'm not even gonna go now or tomorrow, but maybe the next day. But again, he says it in verses five through seven. It's such an interesting statement. He summarized, and I'm gonna summarize it for you in this, in this. I'm glad he's sick. That's messed up. You can't say that to people. Come on, Jesus. You got to know. You read the room, man. Come on. You can't be like, hey, uh, so your best friend's about to die, man. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's cool, man. Don't worry. It's going to be for God's glory. Okay, that's an interesting response. And then he goes on. And he's like, oh, actually, I'm glad that he's sick and that he might even die. Okay, well, listen here, man. I thought you were about love. Like, I thought you were about to love everybody and, like, save everybody. I thought that was your thing. Um, I think sometimes we forget that Jesus was human and he was around humans. So some of his responses would have been outrageous, just like they are today. So after the few days, he gets up and he starts to go to the region of Judea. Um, His disciples are like, well, during the trip, he goes, hey, guys, um, just so you know, it's time to go. We're going to go to Judea and we're going to see Lazarus. We're going to kind of wake him up. He quite literally says, wake up. And so his disciples are thinking to themselves, I mean, if I was walking with someone and it's a two-day journey and he says, wake him up. I'd be thinking, okay, well, why does he need to be woken up by the Son of God? If he's taking a nap, then just wake him up. It's an alarm clock. Hello. But that wasn't the case. And so his disciples quite literally say, well, why? Like, it's okay. Someone else can wake him up, Jesus. 
And Jesus goes, no, 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 you didn't understand. Um, when I meant, when I said he's sleeping, I mean he's dead. And they're like, oh, got it. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. So they understand one of the reasons that they're going there. But there was peril in that context. In the story, it talks about how there were Jews and Pharisees in Judea that had just a few days later tried to stone him to death. Jesus unabashedly walks into danger to resurrect us on a daily basis. Jesus has no concern for his own safety. He says, that's my guy. That's, that's my girl. I love them too much to allow them to not live again. Because I think a lot of times we think we're in this dark and cold and dead place. We're in a tomb where maybe a dream has died or maybe a part of us has died because of situation. Maybe hope has been stolen. And no matter how much we fight Jesus, no, how, no matter how much we push him away, he says, I'm stronger still, but I'm not going to force you. We'll do this gently. We'll do this at your pace, at your tempo. Just like we sang, just like with music. If the tempo is off between Sean and myself or Alexis and myself, it gets completely muddled. Because you can't rush it. You have to just settle in the rhythm of resurrection. But that's so difficult. Because we yearn for victory. We yearn for that, that, that moment of, yes, we're out. We've come back to life. We're back to normal. But God says, relax. Walk with me. Talk with me. Because again, we think, in, in my head at least, if someone was dying, I would have incredible urgency to get there to heal them. But Jesus said, no, no, no. There's a bigger purpose for this. A lot of times, we might not understand it. But sometimes things have to die in us. Because God really likes an underdog. That's kind of like his favorite thing. He loves an underdog. He loves to be able to resurrect and bring something back that you thought you'd never have. That is his favorite thing. Because he reminds his children, I'm stronger than that. Think of something. Name something. God's like, the biggest thing that you can think of, that's got nothing on me. I'm going to crush its head. It might strike me, but that's okay. Because I can take it. Because I will win. So Jesus isn't worried about the danger. Because it's his best friend. Because it's his beloved child. It is the one from creation, from the moment that God decided to create everything in existence. He said, this is the plan. They're going to fall into sin but I love them past their sin. So I'm going to send myself down and I'm going to, I'm going to pay for it all. And so he did. And in those moments when he was speaking the universe into, into existence, he was thinking of Lazarus and he was thinking of this perfect, beautiful moment in time where I would be speaking to you about him. And God said, this has to happen for the glory of my son just like he's getting the glory right now for this story and for us being here. 
And that's the difficult part for me, at least, is that when I'm in those moments of, of, of death and, and I'm waiting on resurrection, I'm waiting for that third day, I'm waiting for that fourth day, I'm waiting for, for, for that fulfillment to come. And God says, man, you just give me some time. Because at the end of it, it's not just going to bring me glory in your life, but in people's lives past you. And that's sometimes I think something that I struggle with personally. I don't know about you guys. You guys are much smarter and wiser than I am. But I struggle with realizing that my life has more importance than my own life. It's to affect others' lives. It's that ripple effect. It's that when you drop a, when you drop a, just a droplet of water, and you watch the ripples go. They extend far beyond any of our thoughts and affect ecosystems and environments that we would have never imagined. Jesus is higher than death. And so going back to our story, he's walking down towards Judea and he stops outside of the town. He doesn't go in it because he understands the danger that it could bring to himself, his disciples, and those around him. So he stops outside of the town, he's out of the town, he's met by Mary and Martha. And Mary is weeping and saying, Jesus, if only you were here sooner, then none of this would have happened. And he goes, yeah, but you realize I'm the resurrection, right? And she goes, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, God, I know. I know you're the resurrection, and one day my, I'll be with my brother, and it's going to be beautiful in paradise. But he goes, no, 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 you don't understand. I am the resurrection. The day is not the resurrection. I am. So when I come into your life, I bring resurrection. It's not a day that's going to happen in the future. It's not a set specific time. It's me, the person. I bring with me resurrection. The day itself doesn't. Because I think a lot of times we think of that moment then. We, we romanticize and we fantasize, oh, if only that. Oh, if I can just get to there. For myself, it's you know when I have a fully funded Roth IRA and I'm, I'm on retirement. And I'm like, yes, then I'll be able to fully enjoy life. At that time, on that day. But Jesus is reminding me on a daily basis that that day doesn't hold anything besides 24 hours. And that's it. But I hold more than that. I hold the resurrection. I hold the hope that you seek on a consistent basis. I hold that joy. So when Jesus comes to the town, the family comes out heartbroken. And we get to see a beautiful picture of what Jesus really was as a human. He gets angry. And I love it. Because we finally get to see the whole of Jesus where he's fully man and fully God in a way that we can never fully understand. But he gets angry. He wells up with rage. And he weeps. He doesn't weep because just, just because his friend is, is dead. Because he knows he's going to resurrect him. So that doesn't make sense. But he weeps because of the broken hearts that he's viewing. Because it's not just Mary and Martha that he loved dearly. It's a whole conclave of people that were mourning the death of this one man that Jesus loved. And he goes, death, I am so 
so angry. And I imagine the scene where Jesus is standing there and Mary and Martha are weeping. And he sees the crowd weeping. And then he just gets righteously furious at death and sin and everything that has taken any and everything that we've all loved and he's all purposed for us. And he just takes off. He just, take me to the tomb. I'm over this. And they, get, they take him to a tomb, which tombs in those days were, were hollowed out caves where a family would normally buy a field and it would have a cave on it and they would take years and years to be able to create a full tomb. And multiple family members would be in that tomb. So positive, Jesus specifically said Lazarus because if he didn't, the whole family would have come out after him. and Like, oh, cool. Oh, there's great Aunt Judy. There's Timmy. Oh, haven't seen Johnny in forever. You don't look great, but all right. Love that you're here, buddy. So he gets down to the tomb, and it's been sealed for four days, which is interesting because it specifically tells us four days. In the Jewish belief and their system, they believed that the soul itself left the body after three full days. And just to kind of give you some context about the burial process, they would normally wrap the person in 40 pounds of oil, spices, and cloth. We're going to put that to the side just for a minute, so keep that in your mind back here. We're going to come back to that. As well as, there was a, I, th- I believe it was an estimate about a five, 2,000 or so pound, 1,200 pound stone in front of the cave. Because no one wanted the caves to be desecrated. Because the bones were sacred to them. They said, that's where my family lays. That's not a place to go. So Jesus says, remove the stone, which isn't an easy task. And this is is another point that I really want to speak to to a moment because a lot of times in our resurrection, in our miracles, we say, God, do this. God, do that. God, do this. Yes, awesome. Do it. But God is standing there saying, how about you hand? How about you, come on, jump in with me. Give me a hand. I need a little bit of help. It's not that he needs our help. It's that he wants our activity. He so desperately wants us to be part of the story that he will quite literally inhibit miracles waiting on us. And he's patient. He will say, I will give you the time that you need because I am a gentleman. I will not force you to do whatever you do not want because that is free will. You cannot love without free will, period. So it's, it's, it's a beautiful metaphor that Jesus uses. And he says, roll the stone away. Because it takes effort. But now let's go back to Lazarus. And let's think back when I said a minute ago, 40 pounds. Have you guys ever had 40 pounds? I'm starting to work out again or trying to. It's not going well. I've got one out of 258 days. So, you know, we're getting there. Um, We're getting there. But 40 pounds is a lot. Like I I thought in my head, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm younger. I can do do that. I went to grab a 40-pound weight and I said, nope. I'm going to move on from that one. 40 pounds is a lot. And I can't imagine how much more it would feel like when you've been laying down for four days straight and also been dead. That would probably be way more difficult to, to, to maneuver, you, you think? But there's a moment where Jesus, in his, in his frustration and in his rage, he calls out Lazarus. And on Sunday nights, I did this a little more dramatically. I won't do this for you. I I quite literally yelled, and I scared half of them. Don't want to do that to you guys tonight, at least. Um, 
and he, he, he yells. It's one of the few times in scripture that we see his emotion boil up so much that it comes out. Because a lot of times we, I think we think of Jesus in this context of he was very prim and proper and astute and had a British accent. Ah, yes, all of you come to me, weary. I will love thee. This is my blood. This is thine bodies. Yes. But I think we forget, and I think we, we forget how human he was. Because if he didn't have his humanity, he would not have been able to die for us as a perfect sacrifice. Because if Jesus was just God on earth, then he couldn't have paid any of the debts that we ever owed. He had to be fully human. That was the only way. So he's standing there, tears running down his face, because, and I told my kids this, if you guys ever want to you know, start memorizing scripture, John eleven thirty five 35 is the best place to start. It's two words. You ready for it? Jesus wept. Look at you guys. You guys are biblical scholars. Yeah, let's go. I like it. So Jesus is weeping and furious, and we've all been in those moments where we've been so frustrated. We've got tears of frustration running down our face, and we're just... And at times we might let out a scream or just a something. And Jesus is in that moment and he yells, Lazarus, come out. But this is the beautiful tension in the story. Because this is where I think a lot of us are today. We're in the tension and in the silence from the call to the coming out. Because I think a lot of us God has spoken things into us that he's waiting for them to breathe life back into them because there was a choice. Lazarus had a choice. He didn't have to get up. Because let's think about that for a minute. How much easier would life have been? Lazarus has been sick for possibly weeks. And he finally felt the sweet embrace of death. was over the fight the frustration the pain the suffering was over he'd run his race it was done but then all of a sudden jesus shouts <gasps> he struggles to breathe with 40 pounds of myrrh and spices on his chest moving his arms is difficult And he thinks, what happened? Why did I get yanked back from paradise into this? I was just in the presence of my God, and now I'm here back on earth. Why? Why? But there was a moment that he, there was was a decision that he made where he said, I can't stay here. I have to get up. And we don't know how long that time period was. It could have been two seconds. Jesus could have said, Lazarus, and he'd come right out. Or it could have been a minute. Or five. Or ten. He could have had time to think and ponder. Because I think that's what we do a lot of times. I think we we, we feel the Holy Spirit move within us. We feel him move and and God calling us and stirring us. And we we take too long to respond. We allow, we allow ourselves to lull ourselves back into the rhythm of peace and comfortability. 
we roll that stone back over and say, no, no, not today. Not today. I'm too tired, God. I can't come out. I've got this weight on me. I've got 40. Lord, I, 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 how, how do you expect me to come out of this tomb? My legs are wrapped. I can't walk. Am I going to hop? Like, wh- what do you want me to do, Jesus? All of these excuses and all of these possibilities run through his mind in an instant. But the call of his Savior was stronger than his, his desire for comfortability. And so he walks out. And I think a lot of the times it's a really, it's a, it's a really great and fun message whenever we're talking about victory and David killing Goliath. Yeah! War! Man! Testosterone! It's awesome. We love that kind of stuff. But we, we struggle because whenever we don't see it, we go, well, God, Why? And there's moments where God is saying, man, I need you to take that step and I need you to go pick up some stones. I need you to not just knock the giant out, but cut his head off with his own sword. Because don't get it twisted, the stone didn't kill him. Knocked him out. David cutting his head off with his own sword, that killed him. He's gone. There's effort in victory. And it's so hard when you're so tired. When you've been fighting for day after day after day. And just like Lazarus was fighting day after day, getting worse and worse. And he goes, yes, I finally got relief. My victory is this. I get to let go and I get to be with the God that I have heard stories about and that I've worshipped for my life. But God says, I'm not done with you just yet. If you want. There's that caveat. Will you come out with me? Will you take that step in victory? Because like I said, for me at least, I know that I struggle with that context where, you know, I hear all these great stories of God healing people and, and moving in situations and providing. And I go, well, God, where's mine? And he goes, man, I love you too much to let you sit there and do nothing. I need you on my playing field with me. So come on. Get up. I know it's hard, but get up. And this is another incredible part of the story is when Lazarus finally comes out of the tomb. Jesus, the first thing Jesus does, they start to see a glimmer of white and, and then someone, something moving in the cave. And they're like, well, what is that? I don't know. But Jesus knows and he sees before anyone fully gets an understanding of what's happening. He goes, go take, go take those linens off of him. Unbound him. Because Jesus knew the freedom wasn't just in the resurrection, but it was in the community helping break those chains. Because Lazarus could have walked around the rest of his life in those death garments, couldn't he? He would have smelled real funky and looked real weird. I mean, it'd be also really weird if you guys, like, if we went to the hospital and we were like, okay, cool, we're going to keep this hospital gown on for the rest of our lives now. This is us. This is our identity. Yep. I, hey, did you know I went to the hospital once for a root canal? Is that why you're wearing that dress? Yep. Didn't that happen 10 years ago? Uh-huh. It's cool, isn't it? I did that. I'm brave. And we think this is funny, and I agree. 
hysterical. Um, but we do this all the time in our lives. We keep the we keep the band-aids of our past wounds and our past defeats. When God says, that's, that's not you anymore, bud. You need to move past that. There's greater victories and greater stories for you if you just take that step. Give me, give me a little bit. Again, this is just how God talks to me. God talks to me very abruptly and sarcastically half the time, and I love it. And I think he did the same thing with Mary and Martha, because there was a point in the story before, right before he'd rolled the stone away, Mary goes, oh, hey, God, don't do that. It's going to stink. He's been there for four days, and he's like, girl, stop. I'm Jesus. I got this. If I can raise the dead, I can make him not stink. It's okay. Relax. Jesus just continues to show us that he is the resurrection. That it is not a day that we are to look forward to, but a person. It is not a moment in time where we will finally be at ease. But is it, a, it is a person that we can intimately know on a daily basis. Because the reality is, as you guys all know, when you go through life, dreams are going to die. Heartache's going to come. But there's no reason to stay there. Don't die in the tomb. Because Lazarus could have. Lazarus could have just said, you know what? Not today, Lord. And he could have just fallen back to sleep. But he didn't. And God's calling us out. He's calling us to something bigger and better. And I don't know what that looks like for you. And I don't even, I have no idea what that looks like for me. But in every resurrection, there's hope. So spread your story of resurrection. Spread, bleed that hope for others. Because there is a world out there that is struggling. And it's not just the world, it's the church. There's a really interesting study done that I heard about today. Um, Lifeway and, well, I'm not going to be able to pronounce the name of the ministry correctly. It's Lingniars. Very difficult. I will just post it on my Facebook. Those of you that would like, you may find it. Um, and it, it talked about some of the statistics of evangelicals, churchgoers, that, and it's, it's, it, blew my mind because how many people for example 70 some odd percent of people don't technically believe that God is all knowing and all powerful they think he learns and adapts and I was like oh that there's your problem because if your God is ever changing and adapting then he's not a God worth following but if, but if the God of the Bible is the God of the Bible and he can raise dead things back to life and that means he doesn't change, he changes. He changes the others. He's the constant. 
the consistent that we can rely on on a daily basis. No matter what season we're in, whether we're in the tomb or we're partying, we're at the, the best time of our life, we don't even know what a bad day looks like. Jesus is that consistent because in either season, he's resurrecting different dreams. He's resurrecting different hopes. And they're not just for us to keep in. They're for us to go out and spread. Because there is a church, not just a world, but a church that is dying from the inside from lack of hope. Because, man, this world is really, really tough. And I didn't realize it until couple years ago when I went through the season that God had me in and I was like man the world is really tough I wish I had a church I could lean on and there are so many people in our church today that are thinking the same thing man I need someone to lean on so I encourage you be the resurrection for someone else resurrect someone else's hope on Sunday love on them remind them that you missed them notice their absence Because you never know what the person next to you is going through. Mentally, physically, or spiritually. God never meant his body to be isolated. He never meant for each and one of us, each and every one of us to be an individual cell. He meant for us to be a unity. That creates a beautiful body. That he is resurrecting. moment by moment that we are in his presence that's my challenge for you this week don't just find someone out in the world that needs hope find someone in here that needs hope find someone in your own house that needs hope because God knows and I know we all need it Father God I thank you for your grace I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for everything that you've done, that you're doing, and that you will do, Lord. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for inviting us into your work, Father. We thank you for everything that you've done, that you're doing, and that you're going to do, Father. We love you. We praise you. We worship you, and we surrender to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You guys have a wonderful rest of your week. I'll see you guys on Sunday.